0: Excuse and we are running out of time.
1: We're looking at mass starvation within ten years. The reality is we're sleepwalking into a catastrophe.
0: Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Next extinction! Welcome to the Extinction Rebellion podcast. I'm Lucy Evans, and I'm here with Ellie Lazaridis at Glastonbury. We've been running around in separate parts of the site to cover all things XR at the festival for this special podlet. There's a real XR presence here. Our very own Rebel Rebel tent in the greenfields, an XR video playing on venue screens between acts, Fabric printing, XR stickers and flags plastered everywhere on site, climate talks at the speakers' forum given by the likes of Michael Evis, who you'll hear later in this podlet, and an XR procession from the park stage to the stone circle where thousands stood together to make the image of the XR logo. The climate emergency is a major topic of discussion on many lips here, from punters to artists and on Sunday afternoon, just before I recorded this, David Attenborough made a surprise appearance on the Pyramid Stage to discuss some of the changes the festival has already made to become more sustainable and the impact that's made.
2: There is extraordinary, marvelous sounds that you've just been listening to were the songs from the creatures that live in the sea in the great oceans you may have heard of of some of them before in a series that went out two years ago called Blue Planet 2 and there was one sequence in Blue Planet 2 which everyone seems to remember it was one in which we showed what plastic has done to the creatures that live in the ocean. Mm. And had an extraordinary effect. And now this great festival has gone plastic free. That is a million bottles of water have not been drunk by you in plastic. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Going back now to the Thursday afternoon of the festival, where the XR procession kick-started the weekend. We caught some footage of the speeches at the park stage, hosted by Rapid Israeli, the following procession, and spoke to a range of people who got involved. From those who are already XR rebels, through to people who'd only just heard about XR at Glastonbury.
1: It's with great pleasure that I introduce our first speaker, who is an indigenous activist from Ecuador, who is fighting to protect the Amazon from uh, oil
0: companies. His name is Kundi. Please make a lot of noise. Wisdom Keepers.
3: I've been invited here today as part of the Wisdom Keepers group. We all love life.
0: A nuestra familia.
3: We
0: love our families. En la Amazonía, al agua como a un bebé and
3: in the Amazon, we love the element of water, just like you love a newly born baby.
0: Y no and we do not want to contaminate
3: her.
0: Por favor, no olvides, estás una de agua,
3: Please. Don't forget that when you next fill your bottle of water,
0: Trata de try
3: to connect with her,
0: el agua tiene because
3: the water has its own energy
0: y vida and
3: its life as well. Gracias. Thank you.
1: Please make a lot of noise for one of the co-founders of Extinction Rebellion, the incredible scientist and activist, Gail Bradbrook. So we've done a good job so far, let's celebrate that, but we've still got work to do. So we're gonna be back on the streets in autumn. Come and visit us in the tent in Green Futures if you wanna know more about that. Do you know the old mic check business? When I say extinction, what do you guys say? Extinction! 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 (laughs) Gail Bradbrook! This is scary stuff, but there's also never been a thing that's enlivened me more personally. And with these things in mind, and with that ferocious love in our hearts, we're going to process now. If you turn around and look, you can see the entrance to the park over there, where it says the park in reverse, between those two pillars. Go to between those two pillars, you will see a pink boat. It was the boat that was moored in Oxford Circus during the rebellion. Or at least, it's the child of that boat. And with that love in our hearts and with the people that we love in our minds, we're going to process from there, and we're gonna follow the pink boat, and uh, I'll see you on the march. Thank you so much for listening and joining the rebellion.
4: We're currently walking towards the pink boat. Um, There are so many people. The crowd is so dense. It was quite incredible. The park stage was absolutely rammed. Um, It was really, really incredible to see. I think Glastonbury really is exactly the place for Extinction Rebellion because um, you just have that like collective group of people and the third day is a great day to do it.
5: It's definitely the best place to get people involved, get people excited, get people motivated. It's definitely the place for it.
1: When I get back home I'm going to definitely find out when the next rebellion meetings
3: are. And they've got one more member. I'm gonna join.
4: So like, what you've got? I'm just on. gonna start a chant, don't be snide, stop eco-side. <laughs> I mean um, a radioactive waste barrel all the way from home. After making it I have to say all homemade because um, I'm against the use of nuclear power.
5: Everyone worries about what's happening to the polar bears, so I thought I'd speak up for the penguins. We're at the other side of the world and the icebergs are melting. We'll have nowhere to put our eggs on, and we're thinking of our children's future too. I'm wearing a penguin's outfit, of course, and the new Extinction Rebellion book has a penguin lying on its side because the penguin's extinct, I'm afraid.
4: No, I didn't know about XR before, and um, yeah, after coming to Glastonbury, it's changed my my mind, and I'm 100% behind it, and do everything in my power to change what I can.
6: I'm Sam Knights and I'm here in Glastonbury. It's amazing, I mean, I'm not too sure how many people, it looks like thousands. And we're creating a a huge extinction symbol, so we're hoping it's gonna be the largest ever human extinction symbol. It's a symbol of movements coming together. There are so many different movements here. There's Extinction Rebellion, but there's also Greenpeace. There are also indigenous activists from all across the world, the Wisdom Keepers. These people coming together in this space and saying enough is enough, we need to act now. It's really important.
7: My name is Jyoti. I'm one of the Wisdom Keepers, an amazing circle of beings that have come from all different parts of the world because we were called here. And when I look out across this sea of possibility that Extinction Rebellion is bringing into life. My heart is really full, so I give great thanks to you for paying attention and standing up this way for our Mother Earth, for our children's 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 children. I give great thanks, so applaud for yourself, please. I can't hear you.
4: Over now to Ellie to take it from here. Now as Lucy said in the introduction, there was a real emphasis on the climate emergency and nowhere was that more evident than at the speakers forum where we went to go to see an energy panel. Now one of the people on that panel was kind enough to give us some of his precious festival time. His name is Andrew Sims and he is among many many accolades one of the coordinators of the rapid transition alliance which is an organization focusing on evidence-based hope on how we can change the way we live in order to keep this planet going we asked him about the way glastonbury has put climate change really at the focus of this year's festival you're at glastonbury which is known as a kind of hippie eco-friendly greenpeace backed festival do you feel like the um panels that you're speaking on Um, are getting through or do you feel like you're kind of preaching to the converted?
6: Um, Whenever people talk about preaching to the converted as if it's a bad thing, I I think of why it is that the church holds services every week. For one thing, people who are converted still need to have the confidence and ambition to act to solve the problem. So the importance of something like getting people who know their stuff together at a big festival like Glastonbury that still brings a huge cross-section of society together is that you can kind of spread some of the best knowledge, the best information, people can work out where they can put their energies, campaigns that they can join, changes that they can make in their own lives. So I think it's really important that we do get together at places like this.
4: And obviously Glastonbury is trying very, very hard. They've banned the single-use bottles this year. What could Glastonbury be doing better in terms of uh, reducing its impact on the environment?
6: Well, I've seen for the first time, I have to say this is the first time that I've been to Glastonbury for about 15 years, and I was delighted to see that they've introduced the compost toilet, which is a kind of a really sensible adaptation. And I think, yes, the the, the the getting rid of single-use plastics is obviously overdue. It's a problem we've known about for decades. Off the top of my head, I don't know what energy sources Glastonbury is using, but it would be great to think that they are switching over to renewables as much as possible and making sure that they're giving the right advice to people before they come here and telling people, you know not to drive here to use public transport and the lowest carbon forms of public transport so um it, it doesn't let them off. it doesn't let them off the hook it's nice to see that there's a few things going on but the challenges they face are the challenges that everybody faces at the moment
4: do you think that glastonbury will one day have to end because of climate change
6: i think glastonbury might have to reinvent itself when you make things smaller and more human scale it opens up a whole range of other opportunities you are in a situation where you can celebrate the cultural producers the artists the musicians who are in a given area it gets you away from that massive celebrity top-down culture where it's all about who is the big global multi-million selling headline act so I think you are likely to see a changing balance of the festival circuit and I think one of the biggest and most profound shifts we're Going to have to make is away from the current consumer materialist lifestyle that we have towards something where we find quality of life and life satisfaction and well-being in other ways. And one of the great things about being out in the sort of the gregarious social experience that you have in a festival is reminding us of where we do have fun. So I think in one sense it's a little glimpse of a different way that we can live, and perhaps, if we get the model and the scale right, a more sustainable way that we can live.
4: That's an excellent note to end on. Thank you so much, Andrew, for your time. I'll let you go and um, enjoy the rest of the sunshine. Back in the speaker's forum, Michael Levis himself turned up to answer some questions.
6: OK,
8: we've got a question at the
6: back here. How do you continue to balance the need and the wish to grow the festival with also being the kind of custodian of the land and the agriculture here.
5: As a dairy farm, uh, for I mean, we've been farming cows here for nearly 200 years. But for those that are interested, we're actually capturing the, the methane fr- uh, from the cattle. We're actually generating 80 kilowatts every single hour of the day and night from the cow slurry, you know. Right. So we you got another yeah. question down yeah. the front here. I was <laughs> yeah. just wondering, uh, yeah. do
8: you think it's a missed opportunity not using all the human wastes.
5: Uh, yeah, I used to put it on the land years ago, and then I was banned. Uh, I mean, i nearly set to prison for that you know, one time, uh, <laughs> 35 years ago, you know. Uh, 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 but apparently, the European Union is actually look, looking at ways of treating human sewage so that it can go back on the land, because that is the ultimate answer. I mean, it really is the answer. Thank, Thank you,
8: Michael. Thank you for coming
4: back. Journalist Sue Wheat was kind enough to allow us to record her interview with Michael Levis backstage after he gave his Q&A at the speakers' forum, which we are very, very excited to introduce next. Music festivals are tricky to record in at the best of times, so please excuse the less-than-perfect quality of this one.
7: What are you most proud of in terms of the environmental management of the site? Because you made so many changes, haven't you, over the 50 years? It's gone
4: well. The
5: drainage and and letting the hedges grow. In a, and everybody thought it was a real freaky farm. I wouldn't cut my hedges down. I like hedges to grow up into trees. You know what I mean? Apart from these wonderful green fields, wonderful people working here. Are they getting charged up once a year? You know, with energy and ideas and you know, in, they're grouping up with people, like-minded people, so that they can generate some enthusiasm of what they're doing. And they're not doing it on their own, are they? Oh, so that's a good thing, isn't it?
7: In a way, because I've been involved in Extinction Rebellion and I've been to Glastonbury, and I realised the other day, what's happened? is that people who've been to Glastonbury or maybe other festivals but particularly Glastonbury have really taken Glastonbury on the streets in its vibe you know its non-violent vibe its community vibe its action vibe and its music and used that for extinction rebellion for campaigning on climate on the climate emergency so although you don't think you're connected to it you are in a in a really Uh, uh, big way
5: well that's really nice that's very very reassuring eh? i must say it is very reassuring and it's very worthwhile isn't it but there's another side to life with hope there's a danger that you see no future you see no hope for humanity and for your children and stuff And, and it's not a good way to go
0: as Sue Wheat walked around the festival, she talked to some festival goers about their thoughts on XR and how Glastonbury inspired them into action. Here's an interview she did with Will from Walthamstow to finish off the podlet.
8: 20 years of coming to Glastonbury, I've got wow. that. When it first came when I was 19. And I, 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 that first time coming here changed me from being like a, a just a normal lad wanting to get on it and... Uh, drink beer and do whatever to someone who like realized that uh, we're part of a bigger picture and there are people working really hard who've devoted their lives to making the world a better place for everyone and there's so many of them concentrated in this one festival site that you can't help but be inspired so Glastonbury really changed my life actually i'm s- absolutely certain i'm i'm not the only one and plenty of people feel the same this is a really special festival the support they've given oxfam over the years is example of the platform that give greenpeace and even extinction rebellion today
7: here they are they're the biggest music festival in the world bringing thousands of people together educating thousands of people motivating thousands of people it's it's incredible isn't it?
8: it it is incredible and they're doing amazing and they're so good at doing this amazing job being able to create this atmosphere knowing how to lay the infrastructure and bring people together to create this sort of spirit is like something that needs to be replicated all over the country because when you talk about the April rebellion for me like once once we kind of got over our kind of initial discomfort in feeling like oh what are we doing blocking roads but like Monday afternoon everyone felt comfortable and it became a bit like a festival atmosphere and it felt really like Glastonbury to me so there is there's definitely parallels between the between between the two
7: Definitely. I, th- I feel that enjoying yourself works, being together works, music works. Let's use it f- to save the planet.
4: As I was packing up my tent on Monday, I looked around the campsite and noticed how many tent pitches there were with no litter on them. People really did seem to be taking everything home with them this year. And there were entire areas of campsite which were as they were the Tuesday before, with only the squares of yellow where the tents were betraying anyone who had been camping there. I've been to B eight times before this one and I've never seen people being this considerate. People really seem to be taking the message on board to love the farm and leave no trace.